Theology Gals, Episode 16, False Teachers and Christian Discernment. Knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Huh? And it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, and welcome to Theology Gals. We are a podcast for women on the Bible Pumping Wingnut Network, and I'm Colleen Sharp, and Ashley is my co-host. And you probably just heard our new intro. I'm going to put, um, if you didn't recognize all those voices, the one I think maybe some of you won't recognize, there's, there's one there's probably two maybe you didn't recognize, but one of them is one of my favorite teachers. He's the one on, on the end, um, James Montgomery Boyce, and he died in 2000. Um, but he was, he was part of Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, and he was just, look him up if you haven't read him before. He has some wonderful, wonderful books, lots of wonderful messages on YouTube and online and stuff. So, Ashley, summer's coming, and you've got, what, just a few days left? Yeah, I'm so excited. We have two more school days, and one of those days I'm going to be at Six Flags, if you know Six Flags, mm -hmm. um, with with a, a bunch of kids. So that'll be fun, even though I, I don't know how you feel about roller coasters, but I... I'm all about them. Are you? Because I was when I was a kid, and in, in my... In my old age now, I just, I can't handle it. Like, I get sick, I get scared, I don't know. It's been a while, so maybe if I was, like, standing there. But growing up, I I loved Six Flags. And do you know what I always think of when I think of Six Flags? What? Is it... It's that it's near John MacArthur's church. Don't ask yeah. Me I think that, but it, I well, do think that. I used to, I have a lot of friends that went to Master's College, so I, that's what I think about, too, that it's near Master's College. Yeah, so, that might be part of it, too, because I had friends that went there. Yeah, and it's too. also, when I was a runner, we would compete against this team that was really good called Saugus, and mm -hmm. that's right there, too. So, um, yeah, so I'll be driving up with, you know, 100 eighth graders to, to Six Flags, so it'll be... We should uh, all fun. pray for Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, it'll it'll be an adventure. Do you, yeah. Now, you might not have to go on all of the rides, I guess. You know, you might be able to... If... Yeah, I'm really there as a chaperone, so... Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. It'll be fun. When I was, when I was growing up, um, one thing they did was Six Flags would do Christian night, 
And so, um, you know, my friend Joy, Joy and I would go drive out there for Christian night and we loved the roller coasters and then we would see, you know, a bunch of bands. This is like, oh, that's cool. Like the late eighties, I think. And it, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And then we would go every new year's Eve to Knott's Berry farm had Christian night. And oh. they, you know, they had good they still do that. They still do, they do really? that. Yeah. Okay. I've seen it advertised. For it, those that, it was fun. I think some of our listeners probably have no idea what Knott's Berry Farm is. Oh, that's right. That's right. <clears throat> it's a SoCal amusement park, but they, they sell their jams and stuff everywhere, don't they? I Right. So can you yeah. buy Knott's in Colorado? I've or? seen them. I haven't yeah. looked specifically for it here. They have like all the Blackberry stuff. They have like that Blackberry Festival or something there too. Um, I, I've seen it different places. I don't specifically look for it, but I have seen it. Mm -hmm. um, different places. It's a it's a fun amusement park, you know. You probably like me grow up going to Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm, mm -hmm. and yeah, we have a ton. Yeah. So um, that, but I saw. I mean, some of the bands that I saw there, I saw DC Talk there. This is probably <laughs> when I was like seventeen or DC Talk. Wow. Right. Yeah. And I'm um, I'm aging myself now, but that. Mm -hmm. and, I don't know if you, you probably don't know who Phil Kagey is. He's a guitar no. player, but he's he's very very good. And he was he was the big he was in the big concert hall one year, mm -hmm. and it was after midnight, and I fell asleep. So yeah, um, I, that's the only thing I'm not really a night <laughs> person. <laughs> well, what I have gone to, and probably only our California listeners have heard of this, is not Scary Farm. Oh, I haven't been to that. Now I don't know if I could handle that. They they turn the entire amusement park into a like scary like around Halloween into this like mm -hmm. scary there's all these like um like mazes you can go through. There's people walking around with like chainsaws and clowns and all sorts. It's super scary. I went when I was in middle school and it was terrifying. I also I wondered about that because remember there was this big scare last year with clowns? Yes, I do. I, I wondered if the, they had clowns this year at Not Scary Farm because do they usually have them? They do, and they were scary okay. clowns, or at least when I was twelve, they were scary. <laughs> so, but I wondered, like, that might not be fun right. this past year because people were really scared of these clowns. Yeah, they actually. I know at I think my um my brother-in-law told me that they had banned clown costumes at the kids' schools and yeah. um, certain cities, I think, even banned them. Mm -hmm. I heard of kids getting in trouble for showing up with clown masks and stuff because it was just kind of this, right. I don't know, this buzz around clowns being mm -hmm. scary. So kind of weird. Yeah. Today, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about ex exposing false teachers and we're going to go to a commercial and come back and just kind of talk about what we're going to be talking about because sometimes there's a lot of questions about is it right to be exposing false teachers is it right to be criticizing other teachers and what does scripture have to say about it so we will be right back this podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Harmonetics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening and welcome to the Conversations 
from the port. This is the Council of Google Plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com. And we're back with our with our topic this week. And Ashley, you've probably seen sometimes in our group where someone will say, you know, what do you think about this teacher? And sometimes people will say, well, I don't think that you guys should be talking that way about, you know, pastors and and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a touchy subject. Um, and I, I think I can relate because that's probably what I would have said, you know, so many years ago is like, well, you're just being overly critical, like, or right. I might, I might have even said, what you're doing is gossip or slander. Yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be saying that about someone who's just trying to help people, you know, find Jesus or you know whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, even when you guys did the Shack episode, I think you guys touched on this when you say, well, what if some people are encouraged and are by the shack and what if you know some people you don't know like what people might find encouraging about that and so there's just that argument that like you never know you know so right and i get it i understand the i disagree with it but i i understand the argument you know and i and you know i do think that god in his sovereignty and and wisdom can use even false teachers in, yeah. in some sort of way. I think about a friend of mine who had become a Christian, didn't know where to go to church and, you know, went to the local Assemblies of God church and even went to some different things with some of these teachers that these television teachers and stuff like that. But yeah. ultimately the Lord used it to um, get her to, to study theology, but she can still point to things there that the Lord used in in kind of her journey into reformed theology. Yeah. Yeah, so, so of course we of course God is sovereign and so he can use anything that he yeah. wants to draw people to himself. Um and so we're not denying that that but um there's just wisdom. Right. <laughs> well, we're, because, called, we're called to discernment. I mean that I mean ultimately we we are called to discernment. I think the one thing I would say is distinguishing between foundational doctrines, things that would be heresy and secondary doctrines. Because I think I I see often where people overuse heresy. We don't use heresy regarding secondary doctrines. Heresy is regarding things contrary to the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. Yeah, and, and can we talk about that for a sec? Of of you know, I see yeah. I see. So there's people on one side that are like, you should never say that about another teacher. Like that is wrong. That's gossip. And then there's people on the other side of the spectrum who are like, that person's a heretic. Using the word heretic and heresy like left and right, which I think saying someone is a heretic, that is, a, I mean, that is an audacious claim. Like you need to like really be careful you know, yeah, it's serious. How, it's a very serious claim. And so we shouldn't just be throwing out the word, oh, heresy and, and heretic and false teacher. We just need to be like careful. There is a place where we can say 
well, that person, you know, denies the Trinity. Right. That is a heresy, you know, but we can't just say, you know, if someone really disagrees with you on a secondary issue, it doesn't mean they're a heretic. Right. <laughs> like it, that's, we just need to be careful with that word. And I, I see it overused sometimes mm -hmm. and that's, that's reason to be concerned. And I, I can understand why someone would be upset by that. And the other thing too, I was thinking of when you were talking is um, the tendency to, to throw a teacher out for small secondary issues to hmm. be like, Oh, I would never ever listen to that teacher without even recognizing that 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 teacher because we disagree on some secondary issues does not mean that that teacher does not have things to offer the kingdom of god and maybe yeah. even to us there yeah. there may be you know things i disagree with someone on i mean really how many teachers do you agree with 100 percent? yeah uh, you know yeah there's there's going to be something with almost any teacher yeah don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. but then there's like there are some teachers yeah. where it's, you no, know, they're actually teaching heretical things. So right. I am not going to listen to any of their teaching. But there's other teachers, it's like, it's not that they're teaching heresy. It's just we disagree on, yeah. you know, A, B, and C issues. So, right. and there may be, there may be teachers that aren't teaching heresy, but they are teaching things that, that would be concerning enough that we might not recommend them. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a fine line that you really need to be discerning. Yeah, I agree. Well, you touched on something that um, I actually really wanted to talk about, and that and it's an accusation that we hear um, when we're talking about about false teachers, and that is the accusation of gossip and slander. And so, I really think it would just be a good idea to kind of review what is gossip, what is slander, and. Um, I actually went right to the Bible dictionary, and like always, all of this is going to be on our episode notes, but um, the Hebrew word translated gossip in the Old Testament is defined as one who reveals secrets, one who goes about as a talebearer or scandal monger. A, gossiper per a gossip -er is a person who has privileged information about people and proceeds to reveal that information to those who have no business knowing it. And I had written down, gossip is distinguished from sharing information in two ways, what is being shared and why it's being shared. Hmm. And I think that's really kind of the key. Um, and even with anything that we share, so what are we sharing when we're exposing a false teacher? What are we sharing and why are we sharing it? Hmm. You know, what are what we're sharing is is, you know, usually common knowledge, first of hmm. all, but why are we sharing it is it's for the I would say for myself, it's for the purpose of encouraging others to be discerning. So could you maybe give an example of what gossip what gossip would look like in the context of false teacher? You know, what what exactly are you sharing about the person? Are you sharing something about, you know, you heard something about their personal life and, you know, that sort of thing? Or are you sharing things that they have taught that we are called to be discerning about? I mean, right. there may be something, yeah. you know, if, if somebody's like a... A serial adulterer, and that's common knowledge. You know that may be a reason to stay away from a teacher, an unrepentant serial, serial adulterer. But most of the time, what we're talking about are the things they're teaching, hmm. and I and I, I think that's what we really need to focus on: things that somebody is teaching. Yeah, talk about the content of what they're teaching, not them personally. Right. right. Um, mm -hmm. So, so gossip would be like 
did you hear that this person right. did that thing? Especially if it's not common knowledge that, that that happened, that would be gossip. Whereas not gossip would be like, they spoke at a conference and they said this thing that is yes. not true or, you know, it goes against God's word. That's not gossip to say. Right. That. Yeah. That's a good, really good mm -hmm. um, way to distinguish. Do you want to define slander? So Bible Dictionary says properly a slanderer, a false accuser, unjustly criticizing, malign, and condemned to sever a relationship. In secular Greek means backbiter. An accuser, calumniator, slanderer, literally someone who casts through, making charges that bring down. So that would be that would be an attack on their character. Yeah. S saying and untrue things about them to kind of bring them down. Right. And I think here also asking the why, because are we doing it are we doing it for the purpose of discernment and to in defense of our Lord, or are we doing it just to malign them? Hmm. You know, what is our purpose? You know, I just really don't like that teacher. Mm -hmm. um, he just annoys me. Right. <laughs> you know, and so so I'm just going to find what I don't like about him and tell people. That, yeah. that would be very, you know, I'm just, I just want to make him look bad because I just don't like him, you mm -hmm. know, or something is, is different than, you know what, I'm, I am defending my Lord and his word. Mm -hmm. Well, especially if what you're saying about that, if you, if you don't like him, don't want other people to listen to him. And so what you're saying, I see this a lot where I don't know how intentional it is, but someone will be like, well, I heard that mm -hmm. they did this thing. And it's like, well, you heard or, you know, like you, you don't want to just be like, you know, like the grapevine. Yeah hearing things and then saying things that could be slanderous. That's not even true. I've seen this happen. I'll d I won't even say where it was. It was in a Facebook group, not ours, where someone, it was so funny. Someone said, oh, well, I heard this about this female teacher. They didn't know she was in the group. And mm -hmm. she and she goes and she's like, oh, really? Did that really happen? Because... Mm -hmm. I don't recall, you know, it was so funny because I think they had no idea she was in the group and could read, you know, what they were saying. It was, you I've know. seen that. I've seen that a couple times. In fact, sometimes one of the family members of a teacher oh. will be there. And I saw someone say something about um, a well-known teacher and one of the family members came in and was like, um, yeah, that is just absolutely not true. <laughs> and yeah. obviously the same last name and you can see. So, um, and, and that's the other thing. I think maybe sometimes we're too free with the stuff that we write online. Yeah. One thing I always do is if I hear something about some teacher, I go and I research. I try to find, I want to see where, before I ever say repeat what somebody has said to me. I want to go and see where was this originally said. We want to keep the ninth, ninth commandment in mind. Yes. You know, we, we don't want to bear false witness about someone intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. If you're repeating something that someone told you that's not true, even if you don't know it's not true, you're still bearing false witness about them. Yeah. So don't, don't repeat something you heard if you, you don't, have anything to corrupt, corrupt, I can never say that word, corroborate, corroborate. <laughs> <laughs> what you know. It's it's best just to not say anything. Right. You know, and if, if you don't you might know. Have to, 
we might have to do just a whole episode on just gossip and slander because it's such a oh yeah it's such an important topic and even as we're reading these i'm just thinking about how these apply so much in regular life and i have a bunch of verses here too on on gossip and slander you know for those who want to want to study it but so i wanted to talk about what what is discernment because we hear discernment but you know i think we need to really kind of think about and define what discernment is because i think one of the reasons why we say hey i have concerns about this teacher is because we are calling other people to discernment and one reason why we look to see is this teacher sound is because we ourselves are are called to discernment i looked just in the regular dictionary first and it and it said the ability to judge well but hmm. then it also said in, in the i think it was webster's in christian context perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual direction and understanding hmm. which i thought was kind of interesting spiritual direction and understanding hmm. yeah that is interesting can you do the bible diction can you define it from the bible dictionary yeah so it may simply mean observe expressing close and distinct acquaintance with or a critical knowledge of things hmm that's so a critical knowledge yeah critical yeah. knowledge of things okay so you know the ability to judge well i want to look at that one for a second and that's one thing that we're doing when we're discerning. We are, so give an example of discernment, maybe just to kind of help our listeners on what we're talking about. Well, discernment would be, I think about, so this has nothing to do with false teachers, but I think about when you're like deciding if you're going to watch a movie or not. That's a good example. And you're like, you look it up, you know, you kind of look at a couple things and you, oh, it looks like there might be an inappropriate scene there. Yeah. Well, I, I think it would be discerning if I just don't watch it. Right. So it, you you're know, judging it, well. You're yeah. judging well there. I'm just saying, mm, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's right. good for me. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I, if I should watch that. I'm, I'm making like a judgment call mm -hmm. um, based on my own conscience and, you know, yeah. So that that's that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of discernment is, you know, what media we choose to consume. Right. So um, I'm gonna just read a verse here on from Hebrews five fourteen. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That, isn't that kind of a neat verse mm -hmm. when you've got a lot of different things in there? So their powers of di discernment trained by constant practice. So mm -hmm. discernment is something that we practice. And so, and it says to distinguish good from evil. So discernment really, maybe that is even another good definition is distinguishing good from evil. Yeah. I've also heard it say um, distinguishing good or distinguishing truth from almost truth. Yep. Um, because some things look a lot like truth. And then when you look a little deeper, it's not quite, you know. That's a really good point. Because sometimes it's easy to distinguish good from evil or truth from untruth. But maybe not so easy to distinguish truth from almost truth. Maybe that's yeah. where discernment really comes in. Yeah. Because some things are so blatant. You know, you're like, oh, well, obviously that's not good. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, obviously this thing is good. I think it's hard when it's more gray. You're like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure about this. I, I like the way, though, that it 
in Acts when it talks about the Bereans. In Acts 17, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if things were so. Because that makes a good point is we should be reading God's word to help us discern. I mean, like, there's nothing more that's going to help us than that. Yeah. So I think we need to keep that in mind when we're trying to figure out if we're trying to, if we're trying to look at a a teacher's teaching and discern Mm -hmm. for ourselves, you know, it could be one of those situations where is, is this true or is it almost true? You know, where, where better to, you know, research that than in God's word. What is right. what does scripture say about this thing that he's talking about or she's talking about, you know? So where where do we you know, where else would you go? But scripture you know, you don't you you we have to be careful not to be like, mm, doesn't feel right. Doesn't yeah. eh, I'm not feeling what he's saying right now. It's like, well, feelings are nice, but right. <laughs> they're not God's word. Um, so. Yeah, and and what were the Bereans doing? The Bereans they were praised for making sure that the things that they were being taught lined up with God's word, and this is this is also a really good thing to remember when people are saying, "Should you be calling out pastors?" No, what what we should be doing is making sure that everything someone is teaching lines up with God's word, and yeah. that's hopefully what we're doing is following in the Bereans footsteps, making sure that things line up with God's word. Yeah. And I think most pastors would encourage you to do that. Good, solid pastors, you know, would encourage their congregation to, to search God's word and compare it with what, what they're saying, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think the big thing is, is some, are what are we supposed to do in the church? Because ultimately while we have our individual churches, we are all part of of the greater church. Mm-hmm. And so 1 Corinthians 5, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are called to judge? God mm-hmm. judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. And so those who say, well, we shouldn't be judging those in the church, you know, do not judge, you know, they, they quote that verse out of context. And yeah. but right here, we're actually, you know, said, no, do not be judging those outside the church. You are to judge those inside the church. Yeah. And look at Paul's language there. Purge the evil person from among you. This that gets does, into church discipline. Really. That does not sound nice. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, like, I think some of the things that we can be criticized for saying are a lot softer than the way Paul says it, you know? Yes. I mean, he's really saying it how it is. So, yes, when we get strong trouble, language. There, actually, Carl Truman, I will link this in there. He wrote this wonderful piece about tone. I'm going to look it up because... But that, but the point he makes in it is that Paul and Jesus were pretty harsh sometimes when mm-hmm. it came to exposing false doctrine or correcting someone. Mm-hmm. You know, then they, so he says, had Luther and company conformed to the criteria of politeness, which some blog commentators seem to require today, the Reformation would have never happened. When the faith is on the line, the tone is necessarily strong. That is biblical. 
if you have not gone so far as to call on someone to castrate themselves, you have not crossed any boundary of taste set by the Apostle Paul. And if you think anger or sarcasm and theological argument are necessarily sinful, you will end up with Christological problems. For Christ exhibited the former and deployed the latter. And it goes on from there, but there, there are some, there are times where Paul and and Jesus were were very, very harsh because they were defending truth. So that should be, that's kind of a model for us. I mean, it doesn't mean everything we say, you know, we need to say in right. like the harshest terms, but it does mean that we need to take defending what's true very seriously. And I also think that's kind of the language of like my generation is like, well, your tone, like, I don't know. It kind of like frustrates me. Like I know I'm a millennial. We can make fun of millennials all day, snowflake. but it's like snowflake, right? Uh, that one kind of drives me nuts, by the way. But um, <laughs> um, it's just that language of like, like if if I say something and you you can't actually argue or defend your own position, you're gonna say, "Well, I just don't like the way you said it." You know, right. it's just like really like I don't know. <laughs> It's or, like, well, come up with an argument. Like, tell me why I'm right. wrong, you know? Don't just tell me, like, oh, well, but your tone wasn't, you know? By the way, my generation did that, too. So I don't think yeah. Maybe there's a, a little bit more of that, but I think there's always been been some of that. And, and the other thing I've heard people, these are people who claim to be Christians, well, they say, well, that might be right for you, but... I, I just don't feel that. And I'm like, um, we're talking we're talking about what scripture says, not what you feel about it, you know. That that is definitely the language of my generation. <laughs> they did it with my generation right. too. I took that right out of my generation. Yeah. So I, I can't defend what you're saying, but or I can't argue with what you're saying, but it doesn't feel good to me. So I'm just going to emote and right. <laughs> tell you my feelings. Anyways, I'm getting off topic here, but <laughs> no, but it, it, there is there is a lot of a lot of that. And what we we're not telling you to go out and be harsh, and because we're actually going to get into how we do need to be gracious too. We are called to be gracious too. But what we are saying is what Ashley just said that we need to take Things that are con when someone is claiming to be a Christian and teaching something contrary to God's word, that is serious. Yeah, it's very serious. And I mean, Paul says it there in First Corinthians. And so we shouldn't we shouldn't glaze over it. Like, oh, you know, it's not the best, but right. I mean, he's saying purge the evil person from among you. Like, right. That's that's pretty serious, you know, that it, that Paul's language there. Yeah. And and I think there we're we're talking about heresy. We're not talking yeah. about I don't think, you know, our churches would say on secondary on you know, small secondary issues. Right. Although I although I will say, you know, in if you're a Presbyterian, you're PCA or OPC, our pastors do subscribe to the confession. So I do know of someone who was a PCA pastor who was removed for um, teaching something contrary to the confession. Hmm. So, so although I'm not sure that they would say that person is evil, but that person, you know, 
couldn't subscribe any longer. So probably a little bit different. Yeah. So I wanted to just kind of go over some of the things from scripture because there are there are actually a lot of examples. I I have gotten several notes. I really have. I don't like it when people call out false teachers and I think it's wrong. We shouldn't be criticizing. And one thing I do want to say about that, you know, we don't do a lot of that in our group. We actually really don't. A couple times someone will say, all the group does is call out false teachers. And every single time I will go through, I will look through several days of posts. And it's usually maybe once a day, sometimes twice, someone will say, what do you guys think about such and such teacher? I don't know if they're sound, you know, that sort of thing. So it doesn't happen a lot. And some days it doesn't happen at all. But I want to look at what do, scripture is, is our is our standard. So I wanted to look at that. Um, Romans 16, 17, and 18 is a really important one. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who call, cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. One thing, reason I wanted to talk about this first real quick is because a lot of people will say, if you're calling out false teacher, you're teachers, you're causing division. But that's actually not what scripture says. The person who is causing division is the person who is teaching false doctrine. They're the one who is causing division. And even just this thing that says, for such persons do not deserve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites and by smooth talk and flattery, they have deceived the hearts of the naive. And that, I mean, I, I got a couple teachers in my mind who describe that you know, smooth talk and flattery. And I think that there are naive people who are deceived by some of these teachers. Yeah, I think I've heard R.C. Sproul say that <clears throat> like doctrine divides. Um, I'm trying to, do you know what, I, what quote I'm talking about? I'm gonna play it right here. I have to say to you that the most strict focus of Reformed theology is on theology, on the knowledge of the true God. We live in a day when people say theology doesn't matter. This is what David Wells was decrying in his book, No Place for Truth. What counts is feeling good, being ministered unto in our psychological needs, having a place where we can feel the warmth and, and, of fellowship and have a sense of belonging and of relevance. And theology is something that divides, something that stirs up controversy and debates. We don't need doctrine, we are told. We need life. Well, at the heart of Reformed theology is the affirmation that theology is life. Because theology is the knowledge of God. Yeah, he talks about it's doctrine divide. Yeah, like if if you're dividing between, you know, those holding to right doctrine and those not, that is going to seem divisive. But that's not the kind of division that is right. being warned about in Scripture. The division that is being warned about is, you know, people like, uh, um, you know, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Paul. 
yeah. you know, I, f I follow Christ, like that kind of thing where it's, that's, that's the kind of division where people are confused on their doctrine and not sure. So, um, or dividing, even dividing about the wrong things, because yeah. I know some people who, you know, they're just in their own little, in their own little doctrinal corner. And if anyone disagrees, even on the tiniest thing, they don't want to have unity with them. And we are called to unity in the body of Christ, unity on essentials, unity on, on the gospel. Um, another verse uh, we could talk about is in First Timothy. It says, First uh, Timothy 1, 3 through 7, it says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may ch charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Whoa. <laughs> that is yeah. This should be our new group first. <laughs> yeah, right? That is like amazing. I like how he says, um, the aim of our charge is love. So it's like if you're if you're going to someone who is a teacher that is teaching false doctrine, it is loving for you to call them on their false doctrine. You don't want them to be swayed by untrue things. You want them to be holding to what is true. So it's actually unloving to not say anything, just right. to let someone continue in their, you know, wrong, wrong understandings of, of who God is, of, you know, what the Christian life, you know, whatever it is that they're teaching. Yeah. In this, and this goes also, if you have a friend, you know, you have a Christian friend who is being deceived, who is like, um, the other verse that we talked about there, they are naive and they are being influenced by false doctrine. It is loving to go to them and correct them. Mm -hmm. It is unloving to say, to say nothing. And this yeah. even goes back to when we were talking about the difference between gossip and slander and discernment is what is our motive. And, you know, one thing we talk about in, in our churches is church discipline is a loving thing to do. So our motivation should be love for God and love for our neighbor. Yeah. And if you want to listen to a great, great episode on church discipline, the regular reform guys recently did an episode on that. That was really good. Maybe we'll have to do an episode sometime on that. Yes. Um, Cause it is an interesting topic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, when I was thinking of one in particular, I know we haven't said anyone by name, but I was thinking of Bethel Church. Right. That's a good um, example. Because they're out here kind of kind of near me, a few hours away. Um, and I know people that are caught up in in that whole movement. It was in it it's I guess it's called the NAR movement. Mm -hmm. Um New it, Apostolic Reformation. Yeah, it's not just Bethel, it's not the yeah. Catholic Reformation, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Bethel, Bethel. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's gotten a lot of publicity lately. Uh, 
but I, I think it's probably just because it's not too far from me that I hear a lot about it. And I have friends that are kind of caught up in, in, you know, the whole Bethel thing. And, and that's, that's, I think that's a really good example because you, we know they're teaching a false gospel. Yep. And so to, to let my friends, um, it's not close friends, but if it were a close friend, you know, to let them continue in their, you know, following of something that you know is untrue, not only untrue, but like completely contrary to true gospel, that would be unloving of me, you know, to just let let them keep going in that. So, or anyone caught up in that. And, you know, as I'm talking, I'm thinking of people that, you know, other groups where they're like, yeah, but the music's really good or, you know, like they, cause a lot of these churches, um, you know, have these big bands and they, they put out music that sounds really awesome. So it's kind of like, yeah, but maybe nothing's wrong with their music. Like, is it still okay? I feel like that one comes up more than yeah. like people are, yeah. people are willing to say, okay, yeah, I would never go to that church. Like they're definitely not preaching the true gospel, but their music actually sounds okay. And so that's, uh, it's a little tricky, you know? Right. I was actually, before you said that, I was actually going to ask you about that because this has even come up in our group where someone will say, well, I like Bethel music. I mean, I don't listen to their messages, but I like their music and I think their music is okay. And to be really honest with you, I i don't know if I've ever heard a Bethel song because, yeah. you know, our churches sing hymns. And so I, it's not really something I've been exposed to, but I would, even if, or I guess one thing that I it, it's it's a hard one, but I would have a hard time listening to their music, even if it was correct, because it's coming from, it's coming from heretics. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm the same way with, with most, I will not listen to like 98% of Christian music because I'm mm -hmm. just really picky musically. Um, but also like a lot of it is just really bad. <laughs> like in general, yeah. like turn on Christian radio and you're like, oh geez, like, you know, yeah. Um, so that's it's not really a conflict for me, you know, where I'm like, right. oh, like I want to listen to it because I really enjoy it. Um, but I can see, you know, I can see where someone, you know, and I think that just comes from a place where it's like, yeah, but I really like this thing. And, you know, you're kind of telling me I can't have it and um, or that it's wrong. And so there's kind of an emotional response there of, oh, so yeah. you're telling me you're telling me I'm wrong just because I listen to this. So it's it's a hard that's a hard one. I would say, like, are there probably songs they put out that have nothing wrong with them? Yeah, that's possible. Mm -hmm. But but is it wise? You is know? it discerning? Is it is discerning? discerning? Wouldn't that fall almost into the almost right category? So yeah. the song sounds theologically good, but it's not. It's not coming from someone with good theology. So it really isn't. It, it's in the almost, I would put it in the almost right category in that instance. And um, this is kind of separate, but I, I mean, I know our churches, we sing from hymn books, so this doesn't apply to us, but some churches, you know, they want to use like new contemporary music in their worship service. So they have to pay the rights to be able to use that song. So if you're paying rights to use a song from a heretical church in your worship service, that's that's pass that's going past just I'm passively listening to their music. No, now you're directly financially supporting 
you know, a church. Yeah. So if, if my church, which again, <laughs> uh, their songs are not going to pop up in the Trinity hymnal probably. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it, if my church was, you know, using their music in, in the worship service, I would, I would be concerned about that, you know, um, because you're financially you, supporting her. Well, they're either financially supporting it or I suppose a church could not pay the rights and use it anyway, which that would be wrong in a totally different right, category. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never heard of a church that does that. I mean, maybe it's possible, but, um, you know, yeah. so. It actually makes me think of that, that Michael Horton quote that I said when we had Ryan Haskins on. Um, there is a reason why Horton said when, when you become a Christian, you throw out your secular music. When you become reformed, you throw out your Christian music. Because so much of new Christian music is not theologically sound. And in the same yeah. way that we need to be discerning in what secular music we listen to, we need yeah. to be equally, if not even more discerning in what Christian music we listen to. Yeah. That's a way that we are called to discernment. And, yeah. you know, it's a hard. Right. It's a hard thing because, you know, I don't listen to Christian radio anymore, but years ago I would listen to Christian radio and a song would come on and be like, oh, I really like that song, you know? And then later on, I would listen to the words a little more, bit more closely and be like, mm, yeah, that's not really right, but I really like the song, you know? And I had to, had to be discerning sometimes when it was even difficult to be discerning. Right. I, a friend of mine and I, we have a joke about like some contemporary Christian music where it's just really repetitive. It's yes. like, let's, let's find one truth from scripture and just say it 12 times mm -hmm. in the chorus. And like, that's it. Like, there's nothing wrong with the song. Like, it's not saying anything wrong. It's just like, can you, can you get a little more in depth? <laughs> right. <laughs> then, uh, you know, your love is never ending. Your love is never ending. Your love is never, it's, <laughs> it's like, we get it. So yeah. gonna make me laugh, but there's my, nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just funny. Well, my my husband, he became a Christian. He was 19, and he was going to Willow Creek in Chicago, which, if you don't know, it's a real big mega church. I mean, it's it's huge. And so they were, and this is he became reformed a few years later. But um, one day that they were singing the song, sing a new song to the Lord. And he mm -hmm. said, he said, they just kept singing it, sing a new song to the Lord. And he said, I just got so frustrated. Okay. Sing a new song to the Lord then. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, and the thing is there is, there is some very rich, wonderful Christian music out there. Um, I listen to hymns and I have some other music based in scripture. And it, it exists, maybe not in the style that you like, um, but we have, the church has a long history of hymns and psalms. And so there is, you know, those those things are, are good, but some of the contemporary stuff. And I know that there is some um, Calvinistic um, contemporary stuff. I'm, I'm not really sure what it is. I know there's some... Um, uh, yeah, it's, rap and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I can think of, of a couple um, citizens and saints. Um, mm -hmm. My my personal favorite is Dustin Kinsrew. Um, okay, he was the former singer for a band called Thrice that was really popular when I was like in middle school. Um, he has a song called Grace Alone that is mm -hmm. amazing, the most like amazing doctrinally sound like 
modern Christian song I've heard. And it sounds good, <laughs> which for me, I feel like is really hard to find in the Christian right. music genre. Good word and good theology in yeah. one place. Yeah. So, well, let's get back to... Um, okay. So uh, we were... Where, we've been talking about... Um, we've done that. You had read Timothy. Yeah, I think we were getting to examples in scripture of calling out. So like what so I, I feel like we've we've talked a lot about, you know, what you should, shouldn't do. We should look at like how do we actually respond? Like what what examples do yeah. we see? And we have a lot more verses here than what we've done here, but there are there are some actual examples in scripture of, of what we're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. In Matthew 3, 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I mean, it, when we had talked earlier about some of the harshness mm -hmm. when things were, were being called out. Yeah. And Paul telling Timothy, this charge I entrusted to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who have handed over to Satan Oh, see whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so here's, this is an example of names being called out. You know, mm -hmm. here, here are a couple of people who yeah. are um, blaspheming and right. he, he's calling them out by name. Yeah. Which I, I've heard Carl Truman talk about this is people would be very uncomfortable if their their pastor on Sunday from the pulpit like said something like that you know um, but here here we see that happening in scripture where he's saying by name in a letter to the church yeah. these people are have gone astray they have shipwrecked their faith or yeah shipwrecked their faith so I I think we're a I think we're a little too sensitive these days, you know, like I think it would have been hard to swallow if some of us went back to the way Paul and Timothy, you know, we're talking. So, right. And, and what we're not telling you to, to go make this your mission now. Um, <laughs> what we're talking about really is, you know, examples from scripture. And, and like we said in the beginning, I'm going to include an, a wonderful article Amy Spreeman wrote about what is heresy. Let's let's be very careful not to be doing this in this way um, about secondary issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we're also not suggesting that um, you start calling people broods of vipers. You know, like <laughs> right. We're we're saying that there was a level of harshness there that was necessary to get the point across. That doesn't mean in all situations you need to be that harsh. Right. Because sometimes a very gentle rebuke is all someone needs. You don't you don't need to call them a brood of vipers. Right. And even <laughs> earlier that that verse about those who are deceiving the naive, sometimes, you know, you have a friend, they're a new Christian, or they're still a baby in the faith, and it might not really be 
a matter of them having embraced theology, embrace, embracing heresy, but rather they're naive. They don't yeah. have correct understanding. And we, I put a lot of examples here, but um, for time, and I think this is, this is really important, and that is in doing this, we need to have wisdom and grace. Because mm -hmm. even though we've been called to be like the Bereans, we have also, and called to have to, and we're called to have discernment. We are also called to wisdom and grace. And so, you know, how we approach these things and when we approach these things is, is part of wisdom and, and being gracious. You know, if, if you have a friend who is a, a baby Christian and still kind of naive and not especially discerning, you need to have grace in going to her. And also, as Ashley talked about, that remember that our motive in this is love. Yeah. You know, not pride, but, but rather love and humility. Yeah. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So I think a good check on yourself is if you're going to approach someone about either something, maybe someone they're following who you have concerns about, or just some kind of piece of doctrine they hold to that you're concerned about, you have to kind of check yourself. Like, am I, <laughs> I wanted to say check yourself before you wreck yourself, but um, <laughs> am I, am I uh, approaching this person out of pride, you know, to show them what I know or to be a lot of sinful reasons why you could approach someone or am I approaching them because I, really love them and want to build them up. Um, you know, you have to, you, you want to have pure motives in, do, in doing that. Yeah. And Colossians 4, 6, let, let, 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So again, even in the way that that you may go to somebody about this or even talk about, you know, a, a certain teacher. We are, we are still, we're still told these things. It does not, it does mm -hmm. not, um, it does not do away with that. And I, I think this one is especially helpful. Proverbs 15, I, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue mm -hmm. of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of the fools pour out folly. But I have found this very true. If you go at somebody harshly, you automatically put them on the defensive. And they're going to yeah. tune you out and just defend themselves. Yeah. But if you go with them with grace and love, they're more apt, um, by God's grace, hopefully, to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, we used the word harsh earlier to describe how Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. Um, but I think maybe, maybe a better word would be fitting, um, like standing firm, you know, or, um, I don't know, Colleen, if you have any experience with this, but I definitely have experience where I've reproached people wrongly. Where oh, I have lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've come on way too strong, way too fast because, you know, especially when you, when you're pretty new to a certain conviction about something and you're kind of excited about it, and you're like, oh, why did I not see this in scripture before? Cage stage, yep. And you're like... And, and for those who don't know that, they say a cage stage Calvinist is like a new Calvinist who's passionate, and they say they'd be better off in the cage because they have 
all the passion, but none of the wisdom. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, so Calvinism would be a good example. You're like, everyone I know needs to be a Calvinist. And, right. you know, and so you have these conversations with people where your goal is just try to get them to, to be a Calvinist. And you end up saying all the wrong things and there's no grace in what you're saying. And so um, I've had that experience before and I've learned from it. Like, oh, okay, I came on way too strong there. <laughs> that was not loving of me. I, I was not approaching them on this because I care about them. Right. I was approaching them out of pride. Um, and so, you know, you definitely learn from your mistakes <laughs> how, right. how not to to approach people. So you do need to be gentle and I think I think this is where you need to use wisdom in knowing when do I need to, you know, gently talk to someone and when do I need to be really firm? Because I have been in that situation before where it's like, you know what? I think you're not really hearing me when it's a big concern, you know? And I think I really need to firmly like put my foot down of, you know, this is wrong or, you know, so it's kind of use wisdom and you know discernment to figure out exactly how you should respond. But I think it's a learning thing. I think we're all going to do it wrongly at times. Yeah. And I've I've had you know sweet situations where it's like you know please forgive me for how I I handled that. It's you know it wasn't it wasn't that I said anything wrong, but the way I came at you, I mean that was not you know it wasn't called for. So yeah. So be, be gentle <laughs> at first. Because yeah, a, a lot of times somebody isn't, you know, depending on the person, people process information differently. Like my husband's the type of person, he has to hear the information, he has to think about it for a while, and that sort of thing. So sometimes if you go to somebody and say, you know, you're, you are listening to this heretic teacher or whatever you say to them, they might not in that moment say, oh, wow, you're right, I'm going to stop right now. They may need to go and process what you're saying, yeah. do some research themselves. So I think even patience is yeah. important. When I first um, became a Calvinist, and I definitely was in the cage stage, and I mm -hmm. think some of my friends thought I'd join a cult, but a lot of them are now Calvinists. <laughs> um, and funny. I should have been more patient to also even trust God's sovereignty in their yeah. life, you know, pray for them too. pray because part of this is the Lord's work, not just what you're saying, but we do have to trust the power of God to work in the lives of his people. Yeah. And, and the goal too is not, I think, I think um, when you come to a, you know, a conviction about something that most people, you know, don't hold to part of you wants to show them that you're right. You know, you want everyone to see that you're right. Like you, you hold the correct conviction. And so that could be a motivation for wanting to, you know, go to them and talk to them about it. Okay. That's not a good motivation, you know? Right. So it's, it's knowing, knowing your own heart and checking yourself before you wreck yourself, I think yes. would be, would be wise. <laughs> yeah. And even sometimes it can start with right motives. But, you know, then you're discussing and all of a sudden it becomes more about me being right than mm -hmm. me loving this person and desiring them to be discerning and holy in, mm -hmm. in the things that they hold to. 
and I do think prayer is important. Yeah. You know, prayer prayer is important in this when we go to someone, how we go to someone praying for them. And so I think there's a, a lot of really important things. And I'm going to include a few websites which are kind of good discernment websites. I had mentioned that article by Amy Spreeman who has What is Heresy? And it's a really, really excellent article just to kind of distinguish heresy from secondary issues. And she defines it how I said earlier, things that are contrary to essential doctrines of the Christian faith. And so examples would be like the Trinity and different things about who God is. Mm-hmm. So there, there are several things about the gospel. Yeah. And she has some, some good things there. But there are some really great discernment websites, too. We have Brian Research, which is Amy Spreeman, who I mentioned, that's her site. and. Michelle Leslie books. Michelle has a a lot of really good things. There might be things on these sites where we might disagree with them just on some secondary issues because we have some theological disagreements. But for the most part, they have a lot of really good information. And then Chris Rosebro, I don't think you've listened to him before, have you, Ashley? No, I haven't. Okay. Chris is wonderful. So you have to go listen to him. He has a show called Fighting for the Faith. He's really, really popular. Fighting for the Faith on um, Private Christian Radio. He's a Lutheran, but a lot of Reformed people like him. And he does uh, he does a lot of discernment stuff. In fact, he's done a lot of stuff on Bethel. Mm-hmm. And he'll even, he'll even do stuff like playing sermons from different pastors, and he'll stop and explain the issues with huh. it. And it actually is kind of funny, because he did, he did this thing, it was like a year ago, on the worst what did he call it? The, the worst Easter sermons. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones he played was my cousin's church. Which <laughs> I knew it was bad. I did not know it was that bad. Um, yeah. So, and, and really, even though he's Lutheran, a lot of his stuff really does kind of focus on what we were talking about, those essentials. Right. You know? And Amy Spreeman actually comes on his show sometimes. So that, that's another good one. And I'm going to. Another one is Tim Challies. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, he's, I should re- link he's reviewed. Too. He's reviewed a lot of books. So, um, yeah. I sometimes if I'm someone tells me about a book, I'll you know search it. Sometimes I'll type like Tim Challies or mm-hmm. Phil Leslie or you know just to to see what other people have said about it. it doesn't mean I take everything they say as right. this is what we it have is. some d- theological disagreements too. Yeah, but it's helpful to hear. Oh, are there any critiques of this book by people that I trust? Right. And I, I think Tim, too, really does focus more on the heretical stuff. If there's secondary stuff, he might mention it. But what, like, in in his review of The Shack, for instance, he really kind of focused on the heretical stuff that was in right. there. And you know who else has some really great reviews? And that is Rebecca Womble from our group, who is on our Mother's Day episode. She has, I'll link hers also, Wise in His Eyes. She reviews Christian books for women. And she really does a wonderful job of reviewing books and she'll talk about the positive but then maybe also some of the negative right there's a lot of good resources out there you know um i know sometimes discernment blogs there's there's issues there but um there are people out there that are trying to help people uh, you know understand uh what what maybe they should read or shouldn't read to be careful of you know or recommend so yeah Okay, well, we're going to we're going to go to a little commercial and we're going to come back and do our fun question of the week. So we will be right back. Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? 
Look no further. At TrackedPlanet.com, we have solid, biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at TrackedPlanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTPlanet.com, coupon code BTWN. And we're back. And um, by the way, I wanted to mention, because I keep forgetting, is most of our music, not on our intro that that's different music, which um, I, which I got the rights to. But we, our music, otherwise, is all from Castle Pines, and I have them linked in our episode notes. They are a group from our hometown, Corona, California, and they've been so wonderful to let us use their music. So yeah. that's what you are now hearing in the background for our question of the week. So Ashley, last week. The question of the week was, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? And I don't even know if I remember. I have to think, I just have to think about it. <laughs> so I, my my answer, I had just have a knee-jerk answer because my husband loves soccer and his favorite team is Arsenal um, in England. And so just because I love my husband, I think I would probably pick England because like he like really loves soccer. Like he is really sad that we're going to Italy and it's not soccer season in a couple weeks. <laughs> so I think he would love to live somewhere where he could go to us. I mean, we, we live close to the LA Galaxy, but it's not the same thing. You know, soccer is yeah. just not, not as big of a deal here. And so we're big Arsenal fans. So if we could live near there, I think that would be perfect for him. Yeah, we we actually have, we've been to some of the Colorado Rapids games out here. And yeah, it's not as big a deal here. But just, just kind of a quick fun fact. One of the guys that I went to high school with, who's actually my sister's prom date, played on the Colorado Rapids. Wow. So that was kind of fun to go and yeah. and watch him on there. But yeah, it's not the... Um, it's not it's not the same thing as as in Europe some of the the soccer my my aunt and uncle and cousins are huge huge soccer fans so Mm -hmm. when I lived with them we had to watch all of those games (laughs) so what 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 is your answer where would you you know at this moment I Brent and I are actually looking to move at some point and we have a list of like five states that we would consider moving to and if I if I had to pick right now it's gonna be it's gonna be the Chicago area you know if I could just move anywhere and that you know I I only lived there I want to say like four and a half years or I I don't even know if it was that long but it's where I I felt 
the most at home. I have family there. My husband grew up there. We have so many friends there. My best friend lives there. So I think I think that's where it would have to, have to be. Yeah. Yeah, Chicago's, Chicago's really cool. You know, it, it is. There's something... Now, I don't want to live in the city, so I'll say that. I'm not a city person. Yeah. I, I'd want to live outside of the city, but that the area is its such a nice area, and I just I love the Midwest. Yes, it gets very cold in the summer, and I'm not a huge fan of the humidity. Mm. I mean, cold in the winter, I'm sorry, and then the humidity in the summer is a bit miserable, but I still, yeah. it's where I feel at home. So. Yeah, you know, last time I was in Chicago, um, I was engaged and I went with family, but I wasn't with my, my husband. Um, and my sister-in-law was like, oh, let's walk into this wedding dress shop and just look. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, oh, let's try some on. This will be fun. Like, you know, and then I try one on and I'm like, this is the dress. I totally had one of those like cheesy moments on one of those TLC shows, like say yes mm-hmm. to the dress. I was like, I want this dress. And so I actually had it shipped from Chicago um, home um, to wear my wedding. So that's that's my memory of Chicago. And I got to go see a Cubs game at Wrigley Field. I took the architecture tour, you know, mm-hmm. that goes right through. That's really neat. Which mm-hmm. was really cool. So yeah, Chicago's a cool town. Well, I bought my wedding dress in Chicago too. Wow. <laughs> that's where I was living. And I actually, it's kind of funny because I was by myself. We um, got engaged and we were getting married in California in three months and I was just in a rush. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna look at some dresses and then I'll go and look with my friends or my sister later. And I walked into a store and the dress they had in the window, I said, that's the dress I want. And they're like, well, if you take the floor model, it's 50% off. And I'm like, tried it on, it fit, just needed a few alterations. And Yeah, so. that's awesome. When you find the dress, it was almost the dress that I thought was almost identical to a dress that I had seen in a magazine. And I was like, that's the kind of style of dress that I want, so. To clarify that I, I was such a tomboy growing up, you know, like you, I wouldn't be caught dead in a dress when I was like 10 years old. And so for me to be the kind of girl that's like in a shop in Chicago and is just like, I have to buy this dress. My mom was like, really? Like really surprised that, you know, I was so excited about this dress, but it really, I loved it. It was like my, one of my favorite things about our wedding. It was really pretty. So, um, you know, still a tomboy. And it makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, so. oh. And I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm not a tomboy. I am a very girly girl. I found one of our suggested questions of the week, and I think this is perfect considering what we talked about in the beginning of the episode, and that is, what is your favorite theme park? So maybe people can try to guess based on what we said earlier. I don't know if if they will, because I'm not even sure I know what yours is, because Ashley and I both grew up really close to three pretty good um, amusement parks which would be mm-hmm. Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Magic Mountain. And let's see, does theme park, do you think theme park includes things like Universal Studios? I would and, say so, yeah. Okay, so we'll include all of those. Yeah, let's see. Um, we're on the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. You can find us at BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Click on Theology Gals, and you'll find all of our blogs and podcasts. And if you want to support us, there's a link on this episode to our Patreon We have a lot more verses on what we talked about today than what we got to. So those are all going to be listed on the resources for this episode, which can be found on the website. And you can also subscribe to us 
on any of your podcast apps or iTunes. And also, it would really help us if you went to iTunes and reviewed us. That would be really helpful. So we really appreciate you guys joining us today, and we will see you next week.